Welcome. We're going to continue on in a series we're doing called, Who Do You Think You Are? And this series is about our identity in Christ. And uh, we're, right now we're looking at the Beatitudes, and, and they're the attitudes that are developed in us as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit as citizens of the kingdom. And so far in this little subsection, we've talked about being poor in spirit, and we, we talked about what it means to mourn. Last week, we talked about meekness. And this week, we're going to talk about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. So that's where we're heading in just a moment. That's the intro transition. I always do a bad joke or two. I was down in Key West, saw a group of people who were all gathered around watching an artist sketch all of them on a pad. The artist was really good, too. He really knew how to draw a crowd. I told my wife, Alice, that we were out of protein powder. And she went, no way. <laughs> I almost, I, yeah, I'm going to do it anyway. I was friends with this guy that used to crossbreed insects. I, I liked him at first, but I soon got tired of his antics. Antics. Scripture reading. We have a, last service, we have a pretty well-known, world-renowned scientist that comes to church, and he said, oh, I really like the antic one. So uh, he had people to share it with. So go figure, you just never know. Scripture reading, Matthew 5, 3 through 11. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Blessed be the word of the Lord. That passage of Scripture is known as the Beatitudes. We're talking about that together. That word blessed... As we said, uh, in some of your translations, it may say happy, but really uh, the word was used as an opposite of the word for sin, and the word for sin is about going your way, so the word blessed there is about going his way, the way of the creator, the, the, the path that he set us upon, and, and that's what these attitudes are all about, walking his way. We're up to the fourth beatitude, and uh, this is about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. So point one and num- number one in your notes, hunger and thirst. Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled or satisfied. Now, this is a, I I love all the Beatitudes. I like this one because of the way Jesus um, gives us something that we can really relate to because hungering and thirsting uh, are continual. Um, By that, I mean this. So, I don't know how many of you would agree with me, but pretty much every day when I wake up, I wake up hungry. Anybody else wake up hungry? I'm, a hung, I'm, I'm hungry almost immediately, and I'll eat a banana or something, and then an hour or two later, I'm hungry again, and then at my, like lunch, I'm like ravenous, you know, like I'm going to eat so again, and then, you know, I like to say it gets done there, but that happens, and so it's a continual thing, this idea of hunger. The, the same thing about thirst, if we get thirsty, then we, we tend to quench that thirst, and, and most of us in our spot where we can do that, so we don't, we don't think about it as much, but... You know, have, have you ever...
And he's telling us we need to hunger and thirst for righteousness in our lives. And it's a day-by-day thing. It's a continual part of our lives as citizens of the kingdom. And it's as necessary to our spiritual life is the pursuit of uh, food and water in our physical life. So, so that's how he's setting this thing whole up, this whole thing up. This is what you need to see. It's just like, uh, and so you can relate to it, as important as that is in your physical life, pursuing his righteousness is important in our spiritual life. So with that understanding, something as important as food and water, it's, it's a pretty big deal. So we need to understand what we're talking about. What's Jesus talking about here? So what is, point number two, what is righteousness? What is righteousness? Now, uh, if you've come here for any length of time, I've defined righteousness in the past this way. It's about, um, you know, being right with him in relationship with him and then living by doing the next right thing. That's been the definition I've used for some time uh, in trying to define righteousness. And as we continue on in this study, you're going to see how I sort of came to that definition and how it comes about. Uh, and, and we're going to dig into uh, the words for righteousness that surround where it occurs in the scripture that we're reading. Um, righteousness that Paul, the Apostle Paul, uses the term a lot in his writings, and he almost always is connecting it to the idea of justification. And we talk about that here often, so you know what that means. It's when, we, when we're saved, we're justified, just as if we'd never sinned. God is seeing us and now in the perfection of his Son, and so it, it has to do about, you know, being in his righteousness in the process. But here in the Gospel of Matthew, the words, it's a little bit differently used, and it doesn't occur very often in the four Gospels at all. Uh, it occurs seven times in the Gospel of Matthew and only one other occurrence in the Gospels. And uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, that word occurs five times. And so one is in our scripture reading, and the other four are very close to it. And so we're going to look at the other four and see if we can sort of put together what this idea of righteousness really is in the process. And so there's four things that this idea of righteousness, what we're supposed to be hungering and thirsting for, is all about. A, little letter A. Righteousness is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. And it's a lifestyle that actually distinguishes us as believers and um, will invite opposition from the culture around us. Matthew 5.10, Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's the eighth beatitude. We'll be studying that one in particular in a few weeks. Um, but the, the fourth and the eighth beatitude are sort of a righteous sandwich, if you would, in the beatitudes, and we'll be digging into the middle of those over the next weeks. But if you put four and eight together, you get something like this, that we're to hunger and thirst for a kind of life that will ultimately cause some people to persecute us or oppose us for our faith. So it distinguishes us as believers and invites some opposition from the world around us. Now, this lifestyle is modeled to us by Jesus. Remember, he's our model for life and ministry. So we, we understand how we're supposed to live by reading the Gospels and seeing how he lived and then, you know, asking the Holy Spirit to help us to live like him. But we, we will, when we're walking that life out, um, you will get some opposition from time to time from our, our culture around us. Now, in our, it, all over the world, people are persecuted because of their faith, and in some places it's very severe. There's still a lot of people around the world, hundreds of thousands every year, being martyred for their faith. 
A significant number of people just because they're believers are killed for their belief. Now, in, in our culture, that's not how we experience it, but what we, what we tend to get is, I like to call it this, if when someone, I, mean, I don't know what your experience, my experience, when, when someone finds out uh, I'm a believer, I, I get what I often feel like is an eye roll, like you're one of them. And the, the reality that I'm getting from them is they, they, they struggle to believe this, how in 2018 can anybody actually believe in this book? Uh, we're, you know, we're so far that this is their thinking away from all those things. And they'll say, do you, you actually believe that book? Yeah, I do. You believe the stories in it? I, I do. And they're like, and, and so they sort of will dismiss us as being not so bright. I don't know if you've ever experienced it, but, but uh, it can happen because it's sort of opposite from the culture. And, you know, we're, we're to love people and, and not sort of understand because we know the truth and we're very comfortable in it. And, you know, let, let me just say that the Bible's, see, this is the truth. And so whenever something comes up that seems to contradict it, the Bible's going to beat it out over time. You just kind of got to wait. And even now, if you talk to a lot of scientists who will openly talk to you, everybody's back to believing in a creator of some type. They may not understand it yet, but they've, they've circled around and gone, no, it had to start with something or someone, or some fort. They're back there, almost all of them. So uh, it, it continues to happen. So we can rest in it so we don't have to respond aggressively to it. But you will sometimes find some opposition from maybe your family or your friends or coworkers or the community at large. And that's just part of the deal. Now, the, the other thing I found, though, is this, that oftentimes the people who sort of are like that with me are, are some of the next people in line that I start to ask me about the gospel. It's fascinating how it works. It just sort of will come up because it, it almost draws them in to wanting to hear what's going on, and sometimes, you know, then the Holy Spirit can take them into the next level, which is cool. There's, a, there's another type of righteousness that's not as effective. It's not effective at all, and that's a self-righteousness. And that's not what we're talking about, and we're going to look at that a little more. Let me say that... that some people in their self-righteous activities will gather, uh, they'll get some persecution, and they're almost like, well, I'm being persecuted for, for my faith, when in fact you're not, you're sort of getting a pretty normal response for, you know, being self-righteous, which is not what we're supposed to do. So this righteousness, first and foremost, it's a lifestyle that sets us apart as believers. It's the one that we're, it's modeled to us by Jesus, and we're trying to live it out like he did, which is about loving well and, and, you know, seeing things and forgiving and doing all those things that he's called us to. So it starts with that. B, righteousness changes us from the inside out. It's, a, it's about a heart change. It starts in the heart and works outward. We, it's very much the, the process of yielding the Holy Spirit and sanctification. It's this change that happens, and, and righteousness is a part of that. So it's, it's not external behavior modification, which doesn't last. It's actually being changed over time by the Holy Spirit. And my hope would be that as you walk this journey, you're experiencing that. Um, I, I think as, as often it could be less than this, but even if I just look back to three months ago, I can see change in my life. Now, certainly having 30 plus years in, you know, 35, 30, wow, long time uh, as a believer. But, you know, I had a big chunk of life till I was 25 where I wasn't a believer. So I have some things to, to look at. But I can see the work that the Holy Spirit has done, and I'm, I'm also very much aware that he's not finished yet, but, but this process happens, and it happens from the inside out. Uh, Matthew 5.20, Jesus says this, For I tell you that unless your righteousness 
surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, the Pharisees were the established religious community of the day. And even though they had started with pretty good intent a couple hundred years before Jesus, um, they had really drifted off. And rather than being about being in relationship with God, they made it all about rules and regulations and rituals. And their whole system was built about, around attendance at the temple. And so it was very much a, sort of a professional sort of thing, lots of routine, uh, but no change happening from the inside out. I sort of think of it as like uh, someone spraying themselves with Axe body spray and then figuring they'd never need to shower. Uh, not not going to work for long, right? Uh, might be some temporary impact, but it certainly d- doesn't work. And so, so true righteousness then starts in the heart, changes from the inside out. Along with that, see, uh, true, uh, righteousness is not an outward show. It's not an outward show. Matthew 6, 1, Jesus said this, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. See, the reality is, is that righteousness doesn't need to be seen by others. It's, it's just something that you're doing for the Lord. It's, it's about, you know, that whole process with him. Some people take that verse and think that they're not supposed to do anything that other people see. That's not it. It's your motive. Um, the reason that you, you're living uh, this life that, that God has called us to is, is because of him, not because you're trying to um, be recognized by people around you. And again, he, Jesus was trying to straighten out the Pharisees because the Pharisees, along with all the other rules and regulations, they love to pray in public. They love to pray very loudly. They like to wear a, a lot of very uh, big sort of um, religious garb in the process. Uh, they, they would have these phylacteries, which were supposed to be these little boxes that had some scripture verses in them. They'd put on their forehead and on their left arm, and, and they had just blown them up to be ridiculous in size because they, they were just trying to be stand out and get the praise of people around them. Um, they would off, when the offering would come, they would have metal containers so that they could put their coins in the metal containers and it would make a lot of noise so that people could see how righteous they were. And this was a big part of what they were doing. And so it was all about, you know, getting the praise of people. That's what they were all about. Uh, and they had lost sight of the reality of being in relationship with God. Uh, and, and so it, 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 it looked good, but there was no substance to it. I, uh, I called that in the last service. I said, it's kind of like cotton candy. But then I realized I'm offending some cotton candy lovers. But what I mean by that is cotton candy, it looks good, and I know it tastes good, but there's not a lot of substance to it. You know, it can't handle much of anything, heat, water, anything. Someone told me there's a video on YouTube of a raccoon, and they give it uh, cotton candy, and he keeps trying to wash it. <laughs> and then he's looking like, because it looks delicious, but it can't handle the washing process because there's no substance, right? So, so that's kind of what it's like. It, it's, uh, and, and so followers of Christ, what we're looking for is, is, is something of substance. It doesn't need to be seen by others. It's, 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 you know, we're doing that for the Lord. And that's part of D, which is it's all about living for him. Uh, righteousness is living for him. Uh, and what we're looking for is, is a lifestyle that pleases him above everything else. Matthew six thirty three. seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Most of you know that verse because it's up on the wall, and we talk about it pretty often. 
but it, it kind of touches on the priorities of life. What, what is it that you're really seeking in life? What's the most important thing? And, and what, what we're told, Jesus tells us, put the kingdom of God and his righteousness first, and then everything else, he, he takes care of that. And so we're seeking his righteousness. We're, we're looking for his way. We want to be on his path. We want to follow his word. And, and that, that's where we begin to experience life, and that becomes the most important thing to us. Um, I'll call that often living by doing the next right thing. You guys have heard that. So you take these four passages, because we're trying to define the, the first one, and we put them together, what we just talked about. And this is what we have. We have a, we have a lifestyle. This is what righteousness is. It's a lifestyle. Uh, modeled to us by Jesus that changes us from the inside out as we yield to the Holy Spirit so that we're no longer seeking the praises of men, but but it actually causes us to live for and seek after him above everything else. So, so that's where that definition that I started with gets, gets its whole process, all right? It's all about being right with him in relationship with him and then living by doing the next right thing in this, in this life around us. That's righteousness. That's what we're to be hungering and thirsting for. Now, the promise to that beatitude, point number three, is that they will be filled or satisfied. And here's what's interesting is that the people that are the hungriest and thirstiest are also the people that are most satisfied. And, and by that, I mean this. Have you ever, do you know how something good tastes when you're hungry? And, and it may be the same thing, but if you're not really hungry, it's okay. But it's not like when you're, there's something about being really hungry or really thirsty that really is satisfying when you, when you feel it. We, um, Alice and I, and Doug and Kim, a couple of weeks ago, we went to Tampa for a conference. We were invited to speak, and they were invited to lead worship. And, uh, and so we flew out of Key West, which is really good, you know, because it's a long drive, and we're very happy about that. We flew out of Key West. And uh, not that it adds to the story, but the, the flight up there was, the plane was hot and bumpy, but it was still better than the big drive, okay? But, but so you add to that, so I think we left at 11, and it was a little delayed, and, and we had been sitting around the airport. Uh, we got into Tampa a little afternoon, and we had to rent a car and get our baggage and all that stuff. So, so by that point in time, we're hungry, we're, and getting pretty hungry, and uh, and we're driving, and I know it's a little early to check into the hotel, but we have to get over to the church soon. So I'm like, well, let's go close to the hotel, and we'll get something to eat. And then after we're done, we ought to be able to check in. And I'm driving in the traffic, and I'm, I'm not a big fan of traffic. And because uh, I've lived here for 40 years, and it's, it's one road. Even if it's traffic, it's <laughs> just stopped. It's not, ah. Anyway, that's beside the point. So I say to Douglas, who's navigating, I say, hey, look, Google up us a place to eat. I'm hungry. And he starts Googling, and then I don't feel like he's doing a very good job because I'm not getting a list of things coming back. And I'm like, do, should, do I need to get somebody else on this job? And he kind of looks at me like, really? And, and I realize, and I don't know if you can relate to this, so I'm hungry, which is also making me angry. I'm hangry. Anybody else here ever get hangry? It's not a good situation. Now I'm hangry, right? Anyway, we, we understood what was going on, and so we worked right through that. And uh, we, we found a little mall thing right across from the hotel, and there was a couple of restaurants in there. We drove through the parking lot, and there was one called the Crazy Cafe. But it, it said hibachi, which sounded good to me. And I'm like, there we go. I'm hungry. Let's go in there. And we walk in, and it's a Japanese restaurant, which is all good because we were hungry. And we all sit down. And uh, see, so you know when you're hungry? <laughs> so you start, like, ordering. Like, what's the quickest thing I can get? I want appetizers. I want them now. And bring me lots. 
So we're ordering edamame and crab rolls and tempura stuff, and it, they're bringing it as, and then we're ordering our meals. And, and um, here's the thing. It was delicious. It was so good. We were eating, and we, like, ate, we demolished this massive amount of food between the four of them. We just ate it up. And I remember afterwards, I, and I said it out loud, I talked about it. I said, now listen, was that food really good? Or were we just so hungry that it wouldn't have mattered at that point in time? They could have brought us a sneaker prepared in a way that you could chew it. <laughs> and I might have considered it if this guacamole was right. I don't know. You know what I mean? And so, um, so, so I think it was, it was really good, but it was because we were really hungry. And then here's the thing. So, so we, were, we were satisfied. We were filled. But dinner time, guess what? We were hungry all over again. See, that's the process. That's what happens. And, and so when you realize your hunger and thirst and it's satisfied, you appreciate it and, and you continue to pursue it. And that's what Jesus wants us to do with him. John six thirty five. Watch the connection now. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. See, it's, it's about pressing into Jesus and walking this life out with him. So keep your eyes on him, and, uh, and we're going to continue on next week with the next beatitude, which is about mercy. But uh, I've given you enough to think about today, I believe. Ministry team, why don't you head over the wall? People on the way over there are here to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, they'll make sure you get it. Let me pray for you as a group, and then we can have breakfast and dismiss. I'm going to get another sip of coffee.